Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Alright everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers where we have the amazing, the talented, the, well, he's going to be throwing out tons of gifts at you, uh, author James Wymore to talk about his final book in the Actuator series as well as some really cool free stuff that you'll want to listen to find out what you're going to get. So um, I'll, I'll let you take it away from here. I Hey, thank you. I'm excited to be on. I love Dungeon Crawlers. I listen all the time. One of the best podcasts out there. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. So, the final book in the Actuator series has come out. You've brought everything to a conclusion, and, you know, this is going to be exciting. So for yeah, all it of, is. So, for all of the listeners, stay tuned, because later on, you're going to learn out how some free stuff that you can get and cool stuff like that. So, yeah. We love having uh, people come back, and it's always great when authors come back to talk about other books. And you've been on multiple times, as well as just kind of a special guest that's added to, to the mix. So, now we have the final book of the Actuator series. Everything kind of is getting wrapped up. And what are we expected yeah. to see? here in the, the finale <laughs> well um without giving away too much sure okay maybe well let me think um or should we backpedal and talk maybe about maybe we should backpedal a little bit because i'm not really sure how to fill in the holes yet okay we can backpedal um, a little bit you can talk about the series a little bit and then move forward yeah cool okay so this the series is um about a machine and the machine is created by this scientist who wanted to transmute the earth into a utopian paradise okay make everything beautiful for everyone and he feels like human nature stands in the way of that because um individuals have more to gain by by not cooperating and by not being part of the system but if everybody is pulled into the system and it's transformed all at once, then everybody has the best benefit. Anyway, so he, he designs this machine and he wants to turn the world into a beautiful place to help everybody. And his wife helps him. But something goes wrong, as things often do. And um, the machine is and, – and so you kind of follow that drama later – 
But where this whole thing starts is with a character, Red McLaren, who's out on a kind of field trip with some of the with some of the people from a military base, a secret military base, and the the actuator goes off. And they have dampeners that are designed to hold the effect within a certain area. So it can transmute this area and it can turn it into anything that you can imagine. But the dampeners are broken by a saboteur intentionally. And instead, the whole world is transformed into patches of every kind of genre fiction. And so literally in one place, you're standing there and you have a sword and a shield and a dragon is chasing after you and you run across the street to get away and all your stuff changes and now aliens are coming down to invade and you have a ray gun. And it has, I mean, there's, there's pirates, there's orcs, there's vampires, there's pretty much anything you can think of somewhere in this world. And there's only a handful of people who even know about this machine because the government's been keeping a secret ever since they found it abandoned. And they built this military base around it. And so this group of people who know about the machine, they're trying to put the world back before everyone else dies, trying to figure out what went wrong, why did it go wrong in the first place. But the local area, the, the military base itself, is turned into a fantasy realm. And so everything is magical and medieval, and the, the, the commander of the base is turned into a dragon. And so she's rampaging all over the place, killing everybody um, and protecting this machine from anybody who, who wants to get to it. And so the people who are on the base all have to escape as fast as they can. A lot of them just die. And the ones who escape are trying to figure out how to get this base back, how to get this machine back, um, et cetera. So it's kind of an action-adventure, crazy little little fun time. No, I, th I love the fact that you can pretty much do anything you want with this series. You know, it's got fantasy elements, it's got sci-fi elements, it's got aliens, it could have dinosaurs, it could have a little bit of anything and everything, which it, is, is it fun. does have all, it does have all those things. So yeah, it, it was really fun. It has been. It was actually a lot harder to write than I first expected, though. Why? Why is that? Well, because it's like writing a whole bunch of short stories. I mean, this, the plot continues and the characters continue, but um, every time the characters walk across one of these borders, everything they're holding, their clothes changes. And they're in a new place, in a new genre. And so I have to go and build a whole new world. It's kind of like a whole bunch of mini worlds all over the place. Okay. And so, you know, writing this book, I would... The characters would be cruising along in a hover car and then they would hit this boundary and the hover car would change into something. And I literally had to stop writing and go look up maps and go read other books and look up references. And it was just a huge amount of research that I didn't expect when I first started. So hover car, I'm guessing, isn't very far off the ground, maybe three, four feet on like a flying car. Um, or would I think it be so. more? Okay, because I mean, I, I it they there's all different kinds. So there's hover okay. cars that are low. There's flying cars. There's I mean, there's going to be everything somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I I just wonder because you hit that boundary, and if you're like three four feet off the ground, you know, you hit the ground, you roll a little bit, you're okay. 
but you're in a hover car that's 30, 40 feet in this sky moving at top speed, that might cause a problem. Right. Actually, if I remember right, I, and I think I do, the, the boundary that the hover car flies through, it turns into a steamship, like, a, like an airship from Steampunk. Oh, okay. So they don't fall to the ground. All right, so it just converts from one flying vehicle to another, and then <laughs> they got to figure out how to fly it. Right, right. I mean, there is always the danger that it will turn into something weird, and you won't know what to do. Yeah. But it it kind of follows a, a sort of internal logic, because the people that were using the machine, the minds that were interacting with the machine to try to change the world at the time, they all have very specific stereotypical ideas, and so... There's certain rules that flow naturally from the negotiation between those areas. Yeah. You know, if you have a crossbow, it's going to turn into a gun. If you have a knife, it's still going to be a knife. You know, because there's knives in 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 places where they use guns, and so the knife's not going to turn into anything. It might look a little different, but everything just morphs as you go along. And so, a lot of the people in the world are also changed. Some of them are turned into orcs. Some of them are become pirates. Some of them become vampires. All you know, just because you're in these areas, you you get sucked into that area. And so some, like all the security guards on the military base, when it becomes a fantasy, they all turn into orcs. And so now they all are acting like orcs. They start being, you know, having a hard time talking, and they start fighting with other people. Hmm. Interesting. So. When they go into these different realities or boundaries and worlds, do memories and things change? That's a good question. And they sort of do. It depends. If okay. For the people – okay, the people who know about the machine from the base, they're called machine monks, which is just a nickname that they were given because they work so closely with it. Um, and these machine monks – and they're just people with with kind of like – obsessions and so one of them is obsessed with fantasy and that's why the the base turned into a fantasy realm and so these machine monks they they kind of know what's going on they know about the actuator they know about these realms they know about these these genre changes that are affecting everyone and so they they have a little bit more resilience but average people you know, a workaday guy who's a truck driver and suddenly he turns into a carriage driver and he's delivering his goods via carriage instead of truck. He doesn't a lot of times their their memories and their ideas change with them. OK, they they get you know, the machine is not really kind to people. <laughs> it just grinds them into whatever picture it's supposed to be. And so you become a delivery driver. Now you're driving a carriage. You might have faint memories of your past life, but you feel like you're in the right place. You know your part in this new world. Hmm. And so a lot, not everyone, there's people with resilient minds and there's people who don't buy into it or whatever, but a lot of people just kind of line up with whatever it is their new job is and start doing it. Interesting. So, of course, go ahead. Of course, a lot of people die. Yeah. Because 
all genre fictions are extremely dangerous. Yes. And so now there's dragons and aliens and robots rampaging everywhere. And, and a lot of the people are, are getting killed by things they can't even understand. Hey, everyone. We hope you're enjoying this show. We just want to take a moment of your time to tell you about the amazing, awesome Black Friday deals that Paragon City Games has going on right now. Now, Paragon has been a fantastic partner to work with, and we just wanted to let you know of some really awesome stuff they have going on, like their Sleevis Deck Box combos. Those are uh, part of their Black Friday deals. Board Game Bonanza, their Miniature Reductions, yeah, uh, kind of funny. Uh, it sounds like miniatures will be uh, reduced in price as well as their board games are going to be on sale. And uh, we, uh, they also want us to let you know that their new website will be going online very soon um, before, so that you can pick up all of these exciting deals for Black Friday. So if you have any questions or thoughts, you know, give Alton and his team a call. They'd be more ha than happy to assist you in picking up some really awesome uh, Christmas items this year. But definitely, definitely check out their Black Friday deals. Give them a call. And not only that, there still will be amazing deals that will be rolling into the Christmas season. So with that said, check out Paragon City Games their Black Friday deals, and all of the amazing stuff that you'll be able to get from them for your Christmas needs. Two free books, even better. Two out of five books in the series are free, and the other two are just 99 cents. Cool. So, with everything that's going on, the final book's out. You have an RPG that is based around this this book series, which, yeah. uh, you know, the book series in itself is awesome, and self-contained and multi-genre in so many ways what made you decide besides writing the book to go and create an rpg based on it well that's that's just because my younger self back when i was a teenager i was obsessed with role-playing games and i um but there was always a thing that bothered me <clears throat> when i when I played one, it was fine, and I, you know, I like leveling up and all that stuff. But when I, if I tried to change to a different game, I always wanted my characters just to transfer right over. Yeah. So I could take, I could build somebody up in Dungeons and Dragons, and then maybe I wanted to try Spycraft and play, a, you know, a spy game, but I didn't want to start all the way over at level one. And it didn't really bother me, bother me, but I didn't. You know, it was just something that I remember thinking when I was a teenager. And then when I wrote the Actuator series, I realized it's a perfect vehicle for exactly that kind of thing. It's a perfect uh, setup story for transferring between one from one role playing game to another. And so after the first book and the anthology were both out and I was working on the second book, I just couldn't resist. I had to put together this role playing game. It's actually an adaptation. It works for any role-playing game system. So it's not, in and of itself, it's not a game. It doesn't have like dice rules or anything like that. It just shows how to bridge using this actuator storyline, how to bridge from one story to another and just transfer characters from one place to another. Nice. I And, and that makes it, well, at least in my opinion, super convenient because you do have cases where, you know, like you said, 
You want the one character to go from D&D to Spycraft or to Castles and Crusaders or even to Firefly, uh, you know, and that's kind of, right. you have to make a new character for every time you play. So to be able to play the same character but with different weapons and rules is kind of interesting. Well, and that that flows naturally out of the storyline because um, in in the story, what happens is the characters, because of the actuator breaking the world up into these different realms that are ruled by different genres. So because of that, you can literally, as you cross this border, you can you can change your your the stuff you're carrying changes, the clothes you're wearing change to to match the new genre. And so you might have had a crossbow before, but now you have a shotgun. Um, and then you cross another border and your shotgun turns into a, a ray gun from a, a 1950s sci-fi. And you cross another border and it turns into a harpoon gun. You know, it just, everywhere you go, your stuff is adapting to the situation you're in. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's lots of fun. And I can see where that can be really useful. So it does the rule set that you mentioned it doesn't have kind of like its own rules. It's basically using the game rule sets that you're currently using or right. Okay. So if we were to go from say D and D, which is your traditional role playing system, seven dice, and then go to a firefly world, you jump to using their game mechanics and to, to more of a dice pool system. Correct. Yes. Not? Okay. All right. Well, basically, you're ju you're just jumping tracks to a new game. So whatever game you were playing, it's fine. You have your character sheet, right? Yeah. And then um, the the game master, as as part of the story, would have to incorporate this actuator situation, where this actuator breaks up the universe, or you move from one piece to another. And in that process, you literally translate your character. And it has examples and charts that help you do that part. We literally translate your character into the new rule base, and then you just keep going. Okay. It's kind of like that silly Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from the '80s. Yes. Where they were in like the real world, and then they were sucked back into medieval fantasy, and then they would come back. Yes. It was. It's kind of like that, except for not silly. Oh, well, you know. I'm Venger was always fun watching him run around with only one horn on his head and being voiced by Peter Cullen, but hey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was definitely interesting, and there was, but I like how this game system kind of works that way. Well, and it it, it taps into, I mean, it's, it's an overarching story. You could use it as a campaign, and it, it describes all the stuff you'd build, but depending on which game you play, I believe something like GURPS is really easy to switch between Yeah. and, and changing systems. But it, it, like I said, there's really no limit. You could play Star Wars and then you can play, um, you know, Age of Dragons or whatever. It just, it doesn't matter because it's designed to jump between. Nice. I, I would really like to see how you go from an evil dead role-playing game to Star Wars, that would be very interesting, but it would work. It could work. <laughs> well, the the actuator machine has a whole bunch of compromises it makes, so sometimes the things you have will turn into something better. So maybe you have 
you know, a pistol and you cross over into this fantasy world and now it's a magic wand. Yeah. If you have a pocket knife, it's probably going to be a knife everywhere you go because every story has knives. Yes. You know, and if you had a lightsaber, it might turn into a baseball bat, which is way less awesome. <laughs> uh, no, maybe, it depends on the situation. Maybe it's a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. There, there you go. go. That's a little bit more dangerous than a, a baseball bat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also dipped in oil and burning. Ooh, there, you go. there we go. Yeah. Now you've got a lightsaber. Yes. Um, it definitely, it, it's lit up and... It's sort of a saver. Anyways, uh, you know, so what got you to dis, you know, into deciding to write this particular series? Just because you're kind of dipping your toes in everything all at the same time, and that's got to be really hectic. I mean, especially if you're crossing these boundaries. You know, how do you keep everything straight? It almost sounds like you have to have a massive Bible sitting on your desk of... Well, yeah, this oh. this is where this is, and this is what's going on here, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I made tons of maps. I made charts. Um, and and if nothing else, I, I would just have to go back and look at an area again before I rewrote it. It, it was kind of a ton of research. I didn't expect how much work it was going to be going into it. And keeping track of everything was just charts after charts. And ironically, when I went to make the role-playing game, it was surprisingly easy because I already had all these charts made. Okay. You know, I just converted them into the format of the, the game module. And then they were, I mean, because they were already built. I didn't put a ton of maps in there because I think, you know, people will make the maps the way they want. But yeah. I made my own maps, obviously, for the story in the books. Nice. No, that, that's, that works out really well. Um, so what got you into writing in the first place? I know we've maybe asked this before, but, you know, writing is one of those professions that, as you've reminded me time and time again, it takes a while before you get any, um, rewards coming in, if not at all. If ever, right. Well, Terry... Brooks. I went to a book signing with Terry Brooks and he said, if you don't have to write, then do something else. Okay. Because writing is, is terrible in payback. You spend tons and tons of hours alone agonizing over these stories. And then, you know, people read it in a very short time. And most of the time, not that many people read it either. So it's this huge labor with a very small payback, but, um, but for some of us, we have to write. It's just part of who we are. Once I started writing, it became this kind of mental exercise that I needed. I needed to um, kind of exercise my demons in a weird way. And so I just had to write. Before my first book was published, I wrote 12 books. And I, it didn't matter if that book was published or not. I was going to write another book. I knew that. And so... Publishing kind of became the, the icing on the cake, mm-hmm. but writing would happen. I would write whether I was published or not because I just love being in that mode, in that world building, in that process, being in the characters' minds and, and exploring what it, it says and what it means. And so I couldn't choose otherwise. The, the Actuator series, 
is kind of funny because I started it when I had the idea. I was talking to a friend of mine, R.A. Baxter. His first book is coming out in a few months. And um, we were just chatting and I had this idea for a machine. And I said, what if a machine could make the world into anything you want? And we just did this little philosophy discussion for a little while um, about what would it be right? Would it be wrong? And then, of course, the idea came, I should write this into a book. And um, I started working on the book. And that's when I got the idea to have all these different genres come out of it and such. But when I wrote it, I wrote about six or seven chapters and about 100 pages of, you know, not 100, maybe like 50 pages of back information, just building up this world. And then it was so complicated, I, I felt like I couldn't do it. It just got so bogged down and hard that I didn't, I didn't work on it for a while. And then... Um, Later, when I was talking to Aiden James, he said, hey, let's do a project together. And, and we started throwing ideas back and forth. And one of the things I mentioned was this actuator book. And he just grabbed it. He's like, that's it. That's what we want to do. And um, I mean, he, he was more of a like sideline help. But it was the motivation I needed to have a partner push through this project. And so I dusted off the old stuff, sent it to him. He helped me work through some of the difficulties and then it just started to roll like a train. Nice. That's, you know, it's nice when things kind of work out that way. Yeah. So now that it's over though, what's the next step? I mean, what's because the series is done. Where do you go next from here? Well, I left a tiny loophole in the series so that I could open it up again if I want to. Okay. But actually talking to long-term fans who've read all the books, including the last one, nobody has found it until I told it to them. And then when I tell it to them, they're like, oh, duh, that's so obvious. <laughs> so I left a little, like a little window that I could get through if I want to do some more, but it's pretty well closed off. I mean, it, it comes to a fiery finale. Um, and so I'm really happy with where it is. I've actually been working on another book, a kind of a di in a different direction. So, um, this one was written over a year ago, obviously Yeah. It takes for, for publishing to happen. And so in the meantime, I've started working on another project. Okay. And I mean, can that project be mentioned or is it just a future project to everyone? No, pay I'm attention? I'm about 20,000 words in. I'm going much slower on this one, but it's called Virtues and Virtual Reality. Okay. And it's about, um, it's about a future city that is a post-labor society. So they, everything's done by robots. All you do, you just do whatever you want because all the food comes to you by robot farmers and all the cleaning is done by robots and all the clothes are made by robots and all you, and you can just do whatever you want. But because mo a lot of humans, that kind of lifestyle isn't really compatible with them. They wouldn't really be happy like that. Um, or they would get into mischief or cause wars or something. I don't know. So there's a filter system and the filter system is a virtual reality game where you go in and you play like it's like two years long and you play this whole life of um, of in a virtual reality situation. And then based on what you do in that virtual reality, they can analyze it and see if you're compatible with living in a post-labor society. 
And that's the premise of the story. Wow. Okay. And so people trying to get into this elite society are trying to pass this test, but you can't fake it. It's not something you can study for. It's part of your, it actually analyzes your psyche yeah. through the course of the test. And so you either are compatible or you're not. And of course, who wouldn't want to live somewhere where everything is done for you? All the food is free. You could be an artist or a writer. I think some of my desire to be, you know, write full time instead of having a day job. I think that comes out a little bit in that desire. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of a little reminiscent of, I would have to say, like the test in Divergent, where it's not really something you can study for. It just you go in, you don't know what it's it's going to happen, and you just react and do what you need to. And then it determines based on that what faction you get put into. So it's kind of like that where, um, you know, this. I mean, how do you study for a test that would determine something like that? Right. Well, you, and you really can't. I mean, this this test, you actually live, a, you, you believe you're living a whole nother life. Oh, wow. You don't, you're in a full immersion virtual reality and you don't realize, you forget the rest of your life. And so you think, you know, you think that this is your life. And they can use that testing information to decide if you're compatible with um, living in a post-labor society or not. That, yeah, that's crazy. And the, how do you deal with that coming out? I mean, because you've lived this whole life and then suddenly they pull you out. I mean, kind of like the matrix. And then suddenly you're smack dab with another reality that, that in itself has to be difficult and frustrating. <laughs> well, it, it, it might be, but here's the design. You actually think you're born and you grow up as a child and a teenager and an adult and an old person and then you die. Mm -hmm. So you thought you were dead and then you wake up and you come out of the game and you remember that it was just a game. And the game is compressed time because you're in this full immersion virtual reality. You don't have to... Like a lot of the stuff that we normally do doesn't have to happen. You don't have to sleep, for example. It just fast forwards to the next part where you wake up. And things that you do over and over like work, it just automatically skips through them. Kind of like that movie Click. Yeah. You know, where it He's... skips the parts that are, are rote. And it's only the decisions that it really tracks. Yeah. But well, you think you're living a whole life. And when you get done, you wake up and you thought you were 85 yesterday, and now you're 20 again. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, it's 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 kind of fun. I've been playing with it for a while, but it's it's kind of deep, so it takes a lot of time to to analyze the stuff as I'm as I'm building. Yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> I, I like it. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of questions. You know, how, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with that uh, type of situation? So, um, wow. Well, and all, all the characters are going to be different, how people act and how they deal with it. And there's kind of drama going on outside of the game. So while people are in the game, there's other stuff happening. I mean, the whole life is still going on. Yeah. And so the two kind of like play off of each other. I'm, I'm actually a discovery writer. So 
I don't really know where it's going. <laughs> I, I totally get that I one. Tying all the people together and creating problems and then see where they go. You have a, a loose idea and then eventually, hopefully, it comes to a story. Yep. Yeah. Fun. All right. So the book is officially out. Yes. It's the last key. It's on sale. Yep. And not only that, the rest of the series is on sale to the point where you can get two of them for free as well as one of them for only 99 cents. So I literally, this is like the best time and probably the most inexpensive time to buy an entire series. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, if if you just Google my name, James Wymore, you'll find my blog um, where I posted a whole list of the links to all the books. So if you go uh, to jameswymore.wordpress.com, if you go there, um, the recent blog post has all of them. And so you can just go to book one, which is free. And that's the story we were talking about. And then also the Borderlands Anthology, which is 16 stories by international and award-winning authors, all set in the actuator world. And at first, they don't connect to the main storyline. But in books two and three, they actually, some of those characters get pulled into the main storyline. Oh, nice. And so it's kind of a, a part of it. You probably want to read book one first and then the Borderlands Anthology. And then books numbers two and three are both 99 cents. Also, the role-playing game manual is free. Sweet. So you can just go follow that link. It'll take you to rpgnow.com. You can download that one for free as well. And then the two books that are 99 cents, and then, of course, the new book. So you can just find it all there, less than eight bucks, more than half a million words. That is awesome. <laughs> so I, it is a great – I mean, even if – even if it doesn't really strike your fancy, it's free, so it's not like it costs you anything to get into it. Yes. No, that's that's awesome. Uh, and I like the fact, you know, because there's a lot of times where sales go on, and it's just it's always fun when you can get an entire series, especially if you're jumping into it and then you like it and you're like, oh man, I gotta wait another year for an, another book. But now you can get all four books. Oh, in, in I one I'm go. So that I hate waiting for a series to come out. I'm so impatient about that. Sometimes yeah. I won't even read them. Sometimes I'll just wait. I just I'll, I know I want to read a series, but I'll wait until the whole thing's done before I even start it. Wow. But now you don't have to wait. Nope, you don't. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we're out of time, folks. Run out. Go get your copy now. And by saying go get your copy, go get all four copies because you can do it now. Uh, don't wait because who knows? Maybe next week you have to pay full price for all of them, which they're, which they're totally worth. I, I mean, James isn't going to complain about that, but you know it is Christmas time, and so buy more than one, buy multiples, and send them to your family. So, yeah. Awesome. All right, well, uh, where can the listeners find you? Uh, on social media, are there any upcoming signings or any events that you're going to be doing soon? Um, well, I'm on social media, Facebook and Twitter. Just look for James Wymore. should be able to find me. Um, I have, like, my, my, my blog at WordPress. And then, of course, you can just go on Amazon and type my name in and find all the stuff there. And I will be at book signings probably... I think the next thing I have lined up for is in February. Okay. So Annex and LTUE 
always good. Okay. So keep an eye out for him. Go find him on Facebook and Twitter. And with that said, we'll catch you next time. You're listening to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Please subscribe and find him on Facebook or Twitter, precious. No, we're even promoting these filthy idiots. Who doesn't like them? Who doesn't like anyone? They're friends, precious. They're friends. No, shut up. Please subscribe.